everybody's awake. Can we stand all over the house this morning? We're going to sing an old hymn of the church. Uh, it's going to be uh, probably page about 120 in your hymn book this morning. Or you can watch and see it on the screen to my right and my left. But let's sing the old song, There is Victory in Jesus. Let's worship together this morning.
has built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea. About the angels singing and the old redemption story. And some sweet day I'll sing again the song of would come and the ushers make their way this morning we're going to pray this morning over our tithes and offerings immediately following that prayer we will segue into our meet and greet you can bring those tithes and offerings into the storehouse of the lord so let's pray together heavenly father lord we come into your house today we already feel your presence in this place and god i'm asking god that in this moment your spirit would just settle and rain down in this service this morning Father, I'm asking God that as we get ready to bring our tithes and offerings unto the Lord, Lord, you have blessed the gift of the giver. You have blessed those that have to give and those that do not have to give. And if someone cannot give today, we pray that you would at some point in time bless them for them to have that ability to to, uh, to pay back and to bestow the benefits that you have given them. Lord, I pray today that everything we take today would be for the advancement and the upbuilding of your kingdom. And God, I pray for every note that is played and every song that is sung. And message that goes forth in this service that you would get the glory and you would get the honor and you would inhabit the praises of your people. And we will forever believe it and claim it and settle it in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And the body of Christ together said, Amen and Amen. Let's bring our tithes and offerings this morning as you meet and greet this morning.
way back this morning. Let's just take the opportunity to welcome you to church this morning. There's an excitement in the air. A lot of folks are buzzing around and talking. I love to hear it. We have already felt the presence of the Lord this morning. Let me uh, say before we have those leading in scripture and prayer uh, this morning, let me just welcome all of you to church this morning. Those of our online guests, we have some streaming from Oklahoma, some streaming from other uh, parts that are already online with us this morning. So can we just give them a hand of welcome uh, to church this morning? We're so glad to have them. Uh, we're going to at this time have uh, Brother Randy Ertzberger that's going to come and he's going to lead us in scripture and prayer. And immediately following him, the next voice you'll hear, uh, we have a special treat for you this morning. Brother Jimmy Villanueva is going to come today. He's going to bless us after scripture and prayer with the song and then we'll jump right back into worship. If you are a first time guest, please don't forget to fill out the connection cards in the seat in front of you. Most of you in here I think are not first time guests. I think most of you I recognize today. And uh, you've been here before, but we are so glad to have you nonetheless. Please continue to pray for a couple folks. Continue to pray for Miss Mary Weaver, who's still, uh, she's here this morning, but still uh, is undergoing her cancer treatment. Pray for Brother Stan, who is not able to be here this morning. He's battling some uh, health issues himself. Uh, also, uh, I was informed this morning, uh, evangelist uh, uh, Keith Speed, that has preached many, many years and has preached in this area many, many times. Uh, has been diagnosed with cancer, and his wife is praying that, that the Lord would work that out as well, and uh, that was on uh, social media this morning, so a lot of stuff going on, but God's able, and we know he's, he's can do things that we can't do, so Brother Archibald, would you come this time? Good morning. You know, I've got a, a prayer of trust in God, Psalms 4. Hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There be many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. The Lord will take care of you. He is good to trust. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you this morning, Lord, for the many things you've done for us. Lord, we can't number them all, but we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for each of them. For those that are mentioned this morning, Lord, that need prayer, we pray that you will continue to abide with them and keep them, lift them up and strengthen them. Give them that which they need in their bodies and in their circumstances, Lord, that you will be with them and help them. Lord, be with us as we continue to worship you. Give you that which you would be, Lord, happy with. Let us make a joyful noise unto you. Be with the pastor as he delivers the message this morning that he will say the words. It will touch our heart that we can go forward, Lord, and serve you even better. We ask all these things in Jesus' holy, precious name. And everyone said, Amen.
Church of God choir song, but we're going to do it this morning as part of our worship. We're going to sing an old song that says, I'll sing about him, I'll shout about him, talk about him wherever I go, for let the Holy Ghost from heaven fall on me. So let's sing it together.
Thus saith the word of the Lord. Father, I pray today that you would speak to our hearts as we get ready to break the bread of life. God, I'm praying today that not I am heard, but that you are heard. The Lord, you would take a coals from the altars of heaven and anoint these lips of clay that I may decree and declare only what thus saith the word of the Lord. Father, there may be men and women that are watching online that are not here today in this house. But God, Lord, we trust that you know who was designed to be here today and who was supposed to be here today. So that, Lord, in this moment, in the solemnness and sacredness of this hour, we're asking for you to inhabit the praise of your people that has been offered up and help us to hear from the throne room of heaven. And we will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. And the people of God together said amen. Amen. Can you, as you're seated, can you just give the Lord a hand clap of praise of appreciation today in this house? You may be seated for a moment. I'm going to ask you to stand here in just a second. But if you want to grab your Bibles, we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 28 and also Luke chapter 15. Matthew chapter 28 and Luke chapter 15. Let me make a couple just quick housekeeping. Don't forget this Wednesday night we're having our fellowship meal. We've had a lot of questions. This is not taking the place of church. We're just feeding you both physically and spiritually on the same night. So from 6 o'clock to 6.50, we're going to feed you. Miss Brenda's been out catching fish left and right. They're jumping in the boats for her. And uh, they're just coming in at an alarming rate. We've got other folks bringing all kinds of side dishes and desserts and teas and things like that. So from 6 to 6.50, we're going to feed you physically. Fellowship, laugh, talk, hang out. Then at 7 o'clock, we'll jump back into our biblical book study of the book of James, uh, a blueprint to how to make faith work in our lives, and we'll jump right back into that. So from 6 to 6.50 is dinner, and from 7 to 8 o'clock is God feeding us for a little while. And so make sure you, you are mindful of uh, that, just so you're not uh, confused on that. So if you have Matthew chapter 28, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to read verse 19 and 20. And uh, 
we're going to jump right into Luke chapter 15. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all of the things I have commanded you to do. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and sinners came near to Jesus. What Jesus just say is clarity and call was, we got to go find people and tell them about Jesus. Luke chapter 15 has often been called the chapter regarding the lost or the lost chapter because everything in Luke chapter 15 has to deal with something that was lost but was found. Everything. It is called the lost chapter, if you will. They drew near to him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus spoke to them this parable and said, What if you, having 100 sheep, you lose one of them? Do you not leave the 99 and you go after the one which is lost until you find it? And when you find it, don't you put it on your shoulders and rejoice? And when you get back home, call together your friends and your neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, for the sheep that I have lost has now been found. I say to you likewise, there will be more joy in heaven when one sinner who repents over 99 just persons who knew need of repentance. Jesus says heaven rejoices when someone comes to know Jesus. He said, or what woman having ten silver coins, she lost one. She still has nine, but she lost one. Does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully for it. When she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace that I have lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God when one sinner repents. He repeats the same thing again. So today, I'm going to, before we really get into the meat of this message, I'm going to ask Brother Randy Erchberger to pray over this. And then we will jump right into the message. Brother Hertzberg. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If any of you know anything about the Church of God, or have ever been in Church of God, for those of you that don't, I'll quickly give you a synopsis. But our church calendar year falls from September to August 31st. And at August 31st, it flips. It reverts back to September 1st being the fiscal church year of the church. We don't run it January to December. We run it September to August. And so as I was thinking, every year typically at the church, anytime I you know, want to preach through anything that has to do with the church or the values of the church or the core of the church, I typically start those series in, if you will, uh, the month of uh, uh, September uh, for that reason, because I like uh, for us to know what's going on. I like for us to be made aware of those things and have an idea of those things. And over the last few weeks, I had been asking God about some direction. Now, God, what, what, do, what do you want to say to the church? You know, we've 
we've rode COVID together. I had a leadership training meeting yesterday with some of our leaders, and I thank you for all of you that made the effort to come yesterday. Thank you so much. I hope it was enlightening. I hope it helped you um, as well. I, I am apologizing to the body, but I am dying up here. Is there any way we can turn it down one or two notches for me? If not, somebody's going to preach in about 30 seconds because I'm going to pass out. And I don't think they want me to change clothes up here. So uh, moving along, but I, I had this leadership training meeting, and I discussed some of the values of the church and what we are and who we are when it comes to that. And I've been praying a lot and asking God, God, I need some, God, I need some, I need some clarity. We rode, I told the leadership trainers yesterday, we rode COVID together. And thank God, please don't misunderstand me. I, I know COVID was was hard on lots of people. Don't get me wrong. But we're still here. And there's a reason we're still here. Now, I, I 100% can't control what happened in the past. But I know that if God left me here, he's got me here for some kind of purpose. Now, I don't, sometimes I may not always know it, but I'm here for a reason. And I said, God, we've rode COVID. We went up. Church went down. Then Omicron, or Delta came, we went up, church was doing good, Delta showed up, we went down. Omicron showed up, we went up, and it went down. I said, God, I don't know if it'll be monkeypox, swine flu again, some other animal decides that it wants to have a name in the alphabet of sicknesses, I don't know, giraffe stripes or whatever, I don't know what the next one's going to be, but God, if you brought us through these, you'll bring us through that one too. And I said, God, what is, for 2023, a couple years ago, I, I cast the, the, the overall vision. We have an overall vision, a mission statement of the church. But a couple years ago, I cast for one year a vision for I wanted us to, to reach a certain number of families and reach a certain number of people. And, and with God's help, we, we, we did pretty well on meeting those goals with the Lord, help of the Lord over that year. I said, God, but what about now? And I want you to, I want you to hear this pastor this morning. Here's what God said to me. Reach them, disciple them, teach them how to pray. One person, one family, one community at a time. Don't try to, don't try to change South Carolina. Change Monks Corner. Then worry about St. Stephen. Then worry about Bono. Then worry about Goose Creek. But just, and before you even reach Monks Corner, Jonathan, reach one person at Walmart, reach one person at Howard's, reach one person at Little Pappy's, reach one person over a Bowberry Biscuit at Bojangles, reach one person at a time. And when you reach them, if even if it's just one person, one, somebody like Jeff that came by my office a few months back and, then, and now is working at Walmart, and every time I walk in there, he says, hey, pastor, and has to introduce me to everybody in Walmart when I go in there. And I'm like, I just wanted to buy hairspray. My hair is in disarray. I just want hairspray. I'm not here to proselyte. I want hairspray. See me on Sunday. I'm here for hairspray. But he introduces me to people. And I, but, but the Bible, the Lord told me, said, you get one person. Then when you get that one person, then start working on their family. Start asking, do they got a spouse? Do they got children? Do they have grandchildren? Start working on their family if they don't know Jesus. Then when you reach that family, they can now be an asset to you to go into their community where they live and help you reach their community. But I got to start with at least one person. Then one family and one community. And so for 2023, 2024 church year, I don't have this great grandiose. I'm not here to tell you we're going to 
We're going to raise $1.5 million for World Missions. We're going to build three houses for the you know, underprivileged folks of, of Berkeley County. We're going to build a new sanctuary that will be completed by this time next year. No, no, I'm sorry. If that's what you were looking for, then maybe one of these other churches in town, that's what God's given their vision. There's no point in building a building until you build a life. There's no point in building a house until you build a household of faith. And you can't disciple them and teach them how to pray until you reach them. You can't take your Jimmy Swagger, James A. Schofield family study Bible and walk around in Walmart and just jack slap them across the face as hard as you can and say, I rebuke you, you demon-spirited person. No, that ain't what I'm talking about. You got to reach them. I didn't say you had to go drinking with them or sleep with them or live with them. Come on, somebody. Act like you've been to church once in your life. God didn't say to reach them. I got to sin with them. God said I got to reach them. He never said I sin with them. You love the sinner. You despise the sin. There is a distinct differentiality of that. You reach the disciple and pray. And so when I began to think, say, God, how can I accomplish this? How can we get to that spot? And he drew me to... Luke chapter 15 of the parables of all the lost things or what was called the lost chapter and all the things. And then my mind drifted immediately as I was reading it, Brother James, to Matthew 28. If you know they're lost and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, Pastor, that you claim to have and you've been endued on power from on high that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, why are you not being my witness in Judea and Samaria? Why are you not reaching the lost? Why are you not reaching the uttermost parts of the world? And in Matthew 28, he, he, he kind of quickened my spirit. He said, why are you, Pastor, not going? Why are you not baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit? Why are you not teaching them all of that command? Don't wait for somebody else to do it. Why aren't you doing it? And I thought, okay, God, I get it. So today here's what I want to talk to you on. Find me. Find me. Because there's a lot of people living in this world right now don't realize they're lost. But somebody has to go find them and let them know they're not going where they're headed, where they think they're going. They think everything's fine and dandy. They think everything's great. Everything's going wonderful. They don't realize they're on a fast path to eternal destruction. They have no idea what's coming. They're going to get wake up one day and, and be totally, utterly shocked, confused, and surprised when eternity comes calling and they had no clue what they just got hit with, like a brick wall. They don't realize they're lost. But they are. And Jesus didn't say, you wait for them to put their GPS coordinates to 1211 North Highway 52, and when they show up to church, then pray for them. And then you just wait for them to map quest your church. That's not what he said. He said, the church, get out from your church and go out there and find them and compel them. Go into the highways and the byways and compel them. Hey, why don't you come to church with me this Sunday? Hey, why don't you let me pray with you in this line? Why don't you let me impact you? Go find them and tell them who Jesus is. You know, statistics say that 72% of people say they don't go to church because they've never been invited. Think about that. When they did the research, people said, I, nobody's ever really invited me. I'd probably go and give it a try. I just never was invited. You say, well, Pastor, I asked one person one time to go to church with me, and they said no. Well, you know what? If you, if you invite, if 73% 
say that. Do you know if you invite a hundred people to come to church, you're going to have some people that are going to say no. It didn't say 100% would come to church if you invited them. It said 72 to 73% said they would. So my reality of it, you've got a bunch of people. You know, you've got that, that 18, you know, 17, 18, 27, 28 group of people there percentage-wise that they're going to say no. But what if we get one to say yes? What if 99 says no? One says yes. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? Yes. Yes. As a kid, I used to love scavenger hunts. I don't know why. I still love scavenger hunts. Somebody says, we're going to do a scavenger hunt. I'm like, absolutely, let's do it. I like adult. I, I used to have my phone where you, they would have the adult scavenger hunts. You have to go to like different towns and cities and find these different locations and stuff. I used to love doing that until I you know, decided that it cost gas and I didn't want to pay for that. And so that stopped my scavenger hunt. Now I scavenger hunt every morning. I got to find what pair of socks that I left out last night. I got to find why I have two mismatched socks. And Brianna doesn't know which where they're at. And I'm scavenger hunting the house for the washing machine that ate my socks last night in the washing machine. It's just a different type of scavenger hunt. I'm scavenger hunting my bank account every other day, thinking, God, where did the money go? I didn't buy nothing, and it's missing. It's like there's an evaporation at Navy Federal. It just went away. I had an issue yesterday that some came through across our transaction. I was like, I know I ain't went here. I called Brianna, and I was like, hey, what'd you buy? I ain't been there. I said, well, somebody has got some money out of here. We called Navy Federal, and, of course, we got it all worked out. But I was like, wait, 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 wait. No wonder my money's been, been. Somebody else is living life through me. What's wrong with these people? I'm going to find you. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to beat your sorry behind for taking my money. But I used to love scavenger hunts. And nothing was more exciting than we used to do it at youth camp all the time. We'd send these teams out. And it was like the first one that comes back with all of the things that are on the scavenger hunt completed, you'll get something, some kind of prize, reward, ice cream, whatever. Boy, it was like pandemonium as soon as you said go. Boy, kids are trucking people. They're pushing kids out of the way, slamming them down in chairs, pushing them out of the way, trying to get their scavenger hunt done. And when... The one team who has finally got it all completed, boy, you can see them on the other side of the field. Boy, they're sprinting just in case another team might have been on the same trajectory. I mean, they're flying. Hurry, hurry. We got to get there. We got to get there. We won. We won. We got to go. And when they got there and you say, you won, boy, the elation on their face of excitement and winning. That's what heaven does when a sinner comes home. Heaven sits there with the great cloud of witnesses with Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and they're sitting on the bow, the grandstands of heaven, while God is sitting on the bema seat or the judgment seat, oh, if you will, like in the tribal games where they would sit, the, the, the master of ceremonies would sit there, and they're watching these things go on in earth, and they see that we're having church, and then their heaven's like, that's good, that's great. You know, they're supporting that. But then when one person gets up out of a chair or out of a, 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 a pew or whatever they're sitting in at the house of worship, and they start slowly making their way to an altar somewhere, whether it's at the pew turned around or at the front or at their chair kneeled down, and when as soon as they start saying, Father, I know 
No, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I need you, and I want you to save my soul, and I want you. Oh, all of a sudden, that grandstand of heaven stands up. They start applauding like they never applauded before. They're like, yes, hurry, hurry. Come on, you're almost there. They start screaming. They start yelling. They start cheering us on, for we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us run the race that's been set before us. I mean, they are excited. They are ready. Heaven, all of the angels start. Gabriel says, hey, guys, strike up the band. I want the best drummer on the drums. I want the best singer in the choir. I want the best horn player. Michael, you better play boy like you've never played before. And they start singing, and they start shouting, and they rejoice. Oh, what it would be like for the church today to get excited and be excited to reach lost people for Jesus Christ. But you can't reach them if you don't go find them. You can't reach them if you don't find them. What if I told you? You know, some people have sadness and sorrow when they lose something. You know, they frantically search the house. They can't, I know I had it, but I don't know where it's at. And they get off, I've lost my keys. I've laid my keys down. i got to go. You know, they get frantic. What if I stood to you in this pulpit this morning and said I had the cure for cancer, but I'm not going to give it to anybody? What if I said that I knew God gave me foreknowledge that something bad was going to happen to you and your family, and I had the ability to intervene and stop it, but I'm not going to. What if I said I could give you answers and solutions to everything you will face for the rest of your life, but I'm not going to share that information with you because you can just figure it out on your own. If I asked you how you feel, you probably would say, you're wrong, you're hurtful. You're a jerk. That's malicious. What's what's wrong with you? If you knew somebody was going to have something bad happen to them, why wouldn't you go tell Brother Ryan? If you knew something was going to happen to Brother Ryan and Brittany, why wouldn't you go tell him, hey, I just want to let you know God gave me a dream last night. And, and God, yeah, listen, guys, I don't know what it means, but I just want you to know it's for you. Why wouldn't you tell him? If you had cancer at cures, why wouldn't you be going to hospitals and cure people? Why wouldn't you do that? Well, I'll ask you this. We have the answer why we don't use it. Oh, we have that answer. No, I can't cure cancer, but I know who can. I must not went to a Pentecostal church today. I must be at a different church. Let me read this again. Maybe I didn't read properly. Maybe I'm hooked on phonics. It's failing me. If I had the cure for cancer and would not release it, if I knew something bad was going to happen to you and your family and I could stop it, but I won't help you, if I could give you answers and solutions to things you would face, but I wasn't willing to share that information, but I do. God can heal cancer. And if he doesn't heal it on this side, the Bible said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I've never heard of a cancer diagnosis in heaven. Never. I've never heard of kidney malfunctions. I've never heard of, of, of people having to be on perinatal dialysis in heaven. I haven't heard of a stroke happen in heaven. I haven't heard of congestive heart failure in heaven. I haven't heard of surgeries happen in heaven. I haven't heard of blindness or deafness or lameness or muteness or death happen in heaven. All I've heard is there's eternal life. There's eternal life. And when we get there, there's no more dying, no sorrow, no tears, no pain. I do have the answer. 
the answer for cancer. I also know that something will happen bad to you and your family if you don't know Jesus Christ. And I can't stop it. You better meet Jesus. You better make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. And you listen to this 34-year-old whippersnapper preacher up here that is no, no, not smarter than anybody else in this room. But God assigned me to come by and tell somebody today that I'm telling you the answer. This may be the last chance you get because life is but a mist and a vapor here today and gone tomorrow. But you better make sure you know Jesus Christ. You better make sure you know where you're going because if you don't, something bad will happen. You will not see Jesus like you think you will be eternally damned to hell. But I'm telling you, you don't have to walk that road. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to life. But my God says you can have life and have it more abundantly. You can have it. But if I said to you I have answers to anything you'll ever face, I do. B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Pastor, my marriage is falling apart. Yeah, there's a lot of people in the Bible had that problem. Pastor, my children are stressing me out. There's a lot of stories in the Bible about wayward children. Pastor, I'm hurt. I'm sad. I'm lonely. I'm depressed. There's lots of stories about that. I do have an answer for you. That book. If you get off of Facebook and you put your face in the book, you'd figure out there's a lot more that you could learn. Boy, that's good preaching even if you don't want to be Church of God today. We got too many people worried about their social media account, how many likes, how many followers, and how many how many people are checking out their TikTok videos. Well, I'm telling you right now, TikTok, God's coming. You better get off of TikTok and make sure you know when God calls. You better get your face out of Facebook and write in your little post and your little synopsis of what's going on in your life and you better put your face in a book because that's the book's going to get you somewhere. You can have all the tweets and followers you want to, but you better make sure you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You better make sure you know who you're following. I don't care who follows you. You better make sure you know who you're following. So how do I find them? Well, first of all, i got to have fervency. i got to have passion. i got to want to reach them. You know, I've seen many churches that have lost their first love of lost souls. I've talked talk to you briefly about it before, the church of Laodicea. They had it all. Good music, good preaching, good singing. In fact, God said to the church at, at, at Laodicea, you have need of nothing. you got the best kids ministry program in town, the best youth department. you got, you got a, basically a, a professional band of singers. Your pastor's on every news channel, every podcast site. I mean, he's the real deal. Your building is top-notch, state-of-the-art. You're the best. You got one problem. Anybody remember what it was? They lost their first love. You know what the first love was? The pursuit of a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know how you can tell when a church has lost its first love? When we don't care anymore about salvations. We just care about ourselves. We've lost our first love. Because Jesus said his first love was, I want to reach people. It is not the, the, the people that are, that are feeling good that need doctors. It's the sick people that need doctors. That was Jesus' mission. He said, I came to seek and save that which didn't need to be found. No. He said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. That was his mission. That was his goal. We're not going to get through this sermon today, so you'll have to come back next week. 
God's taking me about 13 different directions here this morning, but I'm going to follow him. The reality of it is, we as a church society, we have become too concerned and preoccupied about what benefits me rather than what benefits someone else. We have this competitive nature. We all do it. We do it in our jobs. We do it even in our families. If we're not careful, it'll, it'll, it, it, even, it has infiltrated the church. Let me give you some examples. We don't mean to. It's not intentional, but it just happens. You know a promotion's coming up, and there's a bunch of people in running, and you're one of the people in running, and they tell you to fix your resume up. And you know you got five years of experience, and the other person's only got four years of experience, and you know you got this. You start telling everything you could. You tell them that you babysitted dogs professionally for a living. You tell them everything you want to know. Why? Because you want to beat that other person. You want that job. You're competing for the job. You see it happen in families. Mamas and daddies, well, I want, you know, that's my son. He acts just like his mama, but she's just like me. See it all the time. We don't mean anything by it. That's my boy. His daddy, you know, I had no part in that. You just, mysteriously, you like Mary? You just had babies without help? I mean, is that how that works? His daddy didn't play a role? Well, yeah, 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 but this is my baby. I mean, she loves, she's a, she's a daddy's girl, but this is my boy. We don't mean it. But what we're saying is, in some respects, we, we do kind of have a little bit of favorite here. This is my boy. Uh, yeah, she's my daughter, but <laughs> we're tight. We go shopping. We do this. We do that. He, you know, whatever. Competition. Churches. Oh, it happens in church all the time. You go to any kind of convention. I'll just talk about Church of God people because all other churches are perfect except Church of God people. So I'll talk about us so that nobody on live stream can think that their churches are bad. It's just us. Not our church, but universal. Dr. Hill might call me this week. If he does, that's fine. I'm cool with that. i got to play for him in November, so don't make me too mad or I won't go. Um, so, um, But uh, the reality of it is we do it in churches. We'll go to camp meetings or general assemblies or National Institute for Christian Leaders that I've been a part of the last couple of weeks. And you'll sit at these tables, and as soon as the break's over, Sister Barnes, this is stuff you hear. Hey, brother, they don't even know your name. They act like your best friends. They don't know who you are. They don't know, they don't know you. They don't even, you, could, you could be Baptist came in there, and they wouldn't know you. You're sitting there, but it's election year. <laughs> they want to be friends. If you can't be my friend when you're not looking for a vote, I don't need you to be your friend when you're looking for one. Hey, brother, how you doing? You know, they get all spiritual when they're, I mean, I look, dude, I'm drinking my Diet Pepsi. Leave me alone. I don't drink Diet Pepsi because I'm not big enough for that yet because I'll just waste away. But, but I'm drinking my, you know, infused water over there like some creeper, you know, strawberry, lime, a cave, buy, whatever it is, fruit water. And I'm drinking and they're over there, hey, brother, how you doing? You know what I do? I don't go, I'm doing great, brother, how are you? I go, good. <laughs> how, how, how's, the, how's the church going? Sometimes I want to go, I don't know, how's your church going? You're not impressing me with that. I should. And then all of a sudden, this is how you know. How many is going to the church there now? Ain't none of your business. You ain't a part of it, so why you care? And if you want to come join our church, by all means. Ain't none of your business Well, how many I have in my church. You know why he wants to know? Because he wants to know how he compares to my church. Oh, well, last Sunday, we had 65 people. 
And then I always say, well, how are you guys doing? You can always tell if it's not good, though, because they'll be like, oh, well, you know, we're, we're doing all right, you know. I mean, they never give me a number. <laughs> oh, we're doing okay. You know, we, we are right now with COVID and other things. We've hit a little bit of lull, but people are coming back. You know, it's just, you know how churches are right now. You know, it's kind of up and down, ebb and flow. You know, God, God's doing it. That means, oops, I opened up the wrong can of worms. I don't have as many as that dude has. But if he has more, so to Brenda, what he does, he's, oh, man, we're doing good. Last Sunday we had 100 people. Let me tell you, we had 90 people come to Wednesday night Bible study. He's all about telling me his numbers. If it's bigger, hello, give me my number. We've lost what we're here for. We're not here to compete. We're here to complement each other. If Church of God across, let's just say Church of God in Orangeburg, there's 150 people this morning. And we have 50 people today. And they take in $10,000 tithes this month. And we take in $5,000 tithes this month. Just easy numbers. I'm not going to be mad be like they made twice as much tithes as I did. And they got three times as many people as I got. You know what I'm going to think of? There is 200 people this month that heard Jesus Christ and $15,000 to advance God's kingdom. That's how it should be. If God wants us to have 500 people, they'll get here one day. But I'm not worried about when the 500 gets here. I'm worried about the one that's here today because what if there's 99 here that are fine, but one is not? I've got to find the one. I've got to find the one. God didn't say save 500. He said find me one at a time. One family, one, one person, one family, one community at a time. Just find me one. Find one. Passion. You've got to have a passion and zeal for lost souls. Imagine the frantic nature of a shepherd having to look for a lost sheep. Could you imagine that what they did is they had these, when they go in the city, they had what's called the sheep gate. And these, these shepherds would bring their sheep in, and there would be, a, if you will, a, a gatekeeper. who would watch the sheep while the shepherd would go into town and buy them the necessary supplies he needed or whatever else. And he'd come back. Well, there's thousands of sheep in this pen. Thousands. How's the shepherd going to identify which one's his? Well, it was real simple. You know what they did? They called their name. They just called. And even though science tells us that ewe lambs and sheep are some of the dumbest animals, God was smart, wasn't he? He compared us as lost little sheep. He knew what he was talking about all along, didn't he? He said, y'all were dumb, not me. I'm just God. God said that. God said that. But when the shepherd would get to the gate, I don't know if he said, all right, guys, let's go. I don't know what his key word was. But an imposter could come and say anything they wanted to, but none of the sheep would move. But when their shepherd came to the gate and said, all right, let's go. Thousands of sheep in there, all of a sudden, different lambs from different parts would start making their way through the crowd. They'd all get there, and they would all surround the shepherd. You know why? Because they recognized the shepherd's voice it would behoove us as the church of the living God to start recognizing again the voice of the shepherd and the voice of the shepherd is calling the fields are white unto harvest but laborers are few go therefore and baptize them go into Judea and Samaria and the other most parts of the world the voice of the shepherd is saying find them so are we as the sheep going to hear the voice and heed it and follow the shepherd or are we going to act dumb and not act like we heard what he said? 
shepherd calling. The shepherd is still calling. God said just two weeks ago in this house of worship, God spoke the entire time. There wasn't a sermon preached. All there was was some singing, and God was speaking. We have got to hear his voice. Stop what we're doing and say, you talk, God, and get me out of the way. I need to hear the voice of the shepherd. I need to hear his voice. I don't need to hear Brianna's voice. I don't need Miss Carol's voice. I don't need Brother Randy's voice. While I love these people to death and they keep me grounded, the most important voice from the time I leave today until the time I see you on Wednesday and next Sunday is not her voice or their voice. I need to make sure I hear that. That's the voice. I have to hear the shepherd's voice. I looked up what it would cost to have a sheep. The average price of a baby ewe lamb in today's market is $100 for one sheep. Now let's do some simple math for all my mathematicians in here. Jesus said there were 99 safe sheep, one lost sheep. So the shepherd keeps the other 99 sheep in the pasture with some of his buddies. And he goes off looking for the one sheep. That's what the Bible said, right? So let's talk about it in today's money. The shepherd walked away from $9,900 worth of income to go find a $100 bill. Now most of you are going to be like, Pastor, that is the stupidest mathematical thing to ever do. You got $9,900 in the bank. Yeah, I mean $100 is a lot of money, but geez, preacher, I mean it's $100. We'll find it under somewhere somewhere. Don't freak out about it. Don't stress out about it. We'll figure out how to raise the money. Don't worry about that $100 bill. It's going to be all right. We got $9,900. Don't be frantically, you know, worried about that $100. But Brother Ryan, it wasn't about the money aspect of the sheep. The shepherd understands the value of the sheep. It doesn't matter how much it costs to buy another lamb. It would never be like that lamb. See, the shepherd could have went in town and bought another lamb. That one gave him a hundred again. But it never was going to be the exact replica of the lamb he lost. And the shepherd, Jesus Christ, cannot leave. It's like the old military night. We can't, Jesus is never going to leave a man behind. He's never going to leave a guy behind. It doesn't matter if there's 500 sheep I can purchase to replace the one I lost. Jesus said, it may not, you know, Brother Randy might be the one that's lost. And I might can go buy a church of you know, 500 more people over here. But nobody will be like Randy Erchberger. So I'm going to have to leave this group over here. Let the associate pastor keep it going. Let the singers keep it singing. And I'm going to find Randy, my lamb. Because that's not the same as all these other ones. He's just as important as the 99. I'm telling you, we got to quit worrying about if it's a doctor or a lawyer sitting in our pew. Or if they've got money. Or if they're dirt poor in our church. Or if they dress nice. Or if they look like a bum in our church. God doesn't care how rich you are. How poor you are. How white you are. How black you are. How rich you are. How poor you are. How big you are, how strong you are Everybody is one under Jesus Christ He loves us all the same Red, yellow, black and white They are precious in His sight We have got to have passion To get lost people again To the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ To Jesus Christ He left $9,900 on the table For a $100 bill Jesus equates this woman that had a coin, she had nine other coins, but she lost one. One silver coin. But to her, that coin meant everything. It completed the set. She needed ten of them. Nine, 99 wasn't enough. 
99 just won't do. She, he wanted 100. She wanted 100%. 100%. It's funny to me that we live our lives wanting God to do 100% of blessings, 100% of benefits, 100% of this and that and the other, but we don't give God 100% back. God, I'm going to get myself in trouble, so you better protect me with a hedge of protection of angels. We want God to bless us. We don't want God to give us a 55% blessing. We want God to give us a 100% blessing. But we only want to give God 55% praise, 45% church attendance. We don't even want to give him 10% in tithes and offerings. God, don't let me go here today. Sweet Jesus. I do not mean to say that. God didn't ask you to give him 100% of your money. He gave you 90% of it back and said you can, he only wanted 10%. And some people can't even give a, a dime for every dollar, a dollar for every 10, or 100 for every 1,000. I mean, some people just, they just cannot, or 10 for every 100 and 100 for every 1,000. God, God, you got it all. You get $1,000, you get to keep 900 of it. But that's not enough because you don't want to give away the 100. We want God to give us full benefits, full blessings, full protection, full pardon. We don't want God to halfway save us. We don't want God to only forgive 50% of our sins. We want God to forgive us all of them because we know we can't go to heaven without them. So we want God to forgive us of all our sins. But we only want to come to church half the time, praise God half the time, give God half the time, worship half the time. We only want to give God half of it back. Hello? See, if people really worship God like God does for them, if people really realize God gave me everything, so I'm going to give him everything, church would look different. Worship would look different. Singing would look different. The messages, the altars would look different because if we really were honest with ourselves, every day we come before God, we owe Him something in that moment. No matter how bad the singing was and no matter how bad the preaching was, we owed God something because He did a whole lot more than I ever can pay back. She couldn't find her coin. She lost it. It was her paycheck. She'd worked for it. The Bible said that both the shepherd and the woman with the lost coin, when they found what they were looking for, it changed everything. The shepherd put the sheep on the, on the shoulders. The woman took her coin. And they called their friends and they celebrated because they found the missing piece. Heaven shouts when and angels rejoice when sinners come to know Jesus because another missing link of the equation has now been put back together. Reconciliation with God and man. You know, I've thought about this. Y'all don't think I've lost my mind. But I've thought about contracting the local bakery or either Brianna let her do it. But I've thought about every Sunday having birthday cake after church. But you only get it one way. For every person that gets saved, we'll have a birthday party for their spiritual birthday right then. After church, we'll go right to the back. We'll have we'll put cake right then and we'll eat it. No one gets saved. Nobody gets cake. We celebrate it. Now you say, Pastor, we might lose a lot of cake. Will we? You don't believe somebody can get saved every week? I do. You know why they're not getting saved? Because we're not trying to get them here. Well, Pastor, I want birthday cake. Well, then bring somebody to church with you next week so we can tell them about Jesus and try to see if they'll come to know Jesus Christ. Then we can have birthday cake. Hello? Well, Pastor, I won't, it's not fair. If we're going to have we're gonna have birthday cake after every service, but what if somebody don't get saved that day? Well, then we'll have to wait until next week and hope that somebody comes to know Jesus. Well, you know, Pastor, you know good and well that there's no way that every Sunday you're going to have someone get saved. Says who? There's a lot of lost people. Says who? Because if you're saying it's not possible, then you don't need to come back next Sunday either because you're doubting. And you're going to ruin everything we're trying to do anyway, so just stay home. I don't care. Stay home. 
get mad at me and say, well, I'm leaving this church. Bye. You think I'm going to beg you to stay if you're going to cause us to hold us back? No, I'm not. I will bless you going out the door. I'm going to say it. If I say it to the day I die, my leadership team hates me saying this. For too long, they're going to probably get me a shirt that looks like the magic school bus because I talk about buses too much around here. You want to ride on the bus with us? I will open the door. I'll let you walk up the steps. I'll let you find a seat. You might eventually start have to start at the back of the bus, work your way to the front of the bus based on the, the, the leadership changes and things like that. But the day you say, you know what, I don't think this is for me anymore, you know what I'll do? I'll pull up at the bus station. I'll open the door, and I'll say thank you so much for the six months, the year, the two years, the five years, whatever it is that you rode on the Santee Circle Church of God bus. We love you. We are praying for you. We want God's will for you. We want God's plan for your life. God bless you. I hope the church you're headed to, you will be an asset and a blessing to them, and we will be there for you. You know what I'm going to do? As soon as your foot hits the pavement, I'm going to go whoop, whoop, and I'm going to shut them doors, and I'm going to put that thing in drive, and we're going to go. And they're going to stand in the rear of your mirror going, I can't believe he left me. Yes, I can. I'm not waiting on you to make up your mind. I'm not stopping God's plan. I'm not going to stop preaching the gospel. I'm not going to diddle-doddle around. I don't have enough time and energy. Jesus is coming back. I don't have time to babysit you, pacify you, bottle feed you, coddle you, nurse you, feed you like you're a newborn baby. I don't have time. That's what Sunday school is all about. you got Sunday school teachers to help you. you got Wednesday night Bible studies to help you. It is not my job to bottle feed you for the rest of your life. Even the Apostle Paul said sometimes suck it up, cupcake, and start eating your own food and stop waiting for us to feed you. Get in your own Bible. Read your own word. I don't have time for that because there's lost people that need to hear about Jesus Christ. There will come a point you might get back. I'll be driving around the circle and you might be standing at the same bus station going, I'm so sorry. I want to get back on the bus. You know what I'm going to do? Open the door and say, okay. But you know what? Some people went up higher in the seats in the bus because you left. We moved on. So you're going to have to start at the back of the bus and work your way back up. But eventually you'll be back to where you are. You say, well, pastor, I don't want to stay here. Well, there's the door. Go on right back out. We'll bless you, tell you how good it is, and we're going to keep going on. I don't have time for us to babysit people in the church anymore. It is time for us to be the church and stop pacifying people. We've got to find lost people and keep going for the mission God called us to do. And so I, I thought about that thing. I thought we should have birthday cake. And when we don't have it, and people say, well, I wish I had birthday cake. We'll find somebody to bring to church so we can teach them about Jesus. Then we'll have birthday cake. And we eat birthday cake every Sunday, praise God. If we throw away 100 birthday cakes, then we're failing on our job. You know, my real goal, I would love to see, I would love to see, there's 52 Sundays a year. I would love to see at the end of next year, more people got saved than Sundays they are in the year. Even if it was only 53 people, I would love to report on September probably be September 5th next year, somewhere in that window. I would love to report next year on the first Sunday of September, after doing an exhaustive study, we, we had 53 people come to know Jesus Christ over the last year. That would be something to talk about. If that happened, we're having a birthday party like you've never seen before. We're going to have a throwdown. You see, they were excited. Matthew 18 and 11, Miss Carol, come make your way, please. Matthew 18 11, Jesus said he came to seek and save that which was lost. Matthew 9, 11 through 13, when the Pharisees saw this and his disciples, they say, why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those that are healthy that needs a physician, but those that are sick. But go and learn what I'm about to say to you. I desire compassion, not sacrifice, for I did not come to call righteous, but sinners. I'm not worried about the people who already think they're okay. I'm worried about the people who are not okay. Fields are wide in the harvest. Heaven rejoices. I'm going to give you this story and we'll pick up next week with the I. Each week there will be a different letter. F is fervency. Fervency. The 
letter F, fervency, passion. A couple years ago, I'm a huge South Carolina Gamecocks fan. A couple years ago, a lady at the church where I served, she was best friends with Frank Martin, his wife, Anya, who at that time was the head men's basketball coach at the University of South Carolina. She called me one day, Tasha did. She said, Pastor Jonathan, do you like basketball? I said, yeah, I'm a basketball coach. I love basketball. She said, you don't have to be a Gamecocks fan, do you? I said, there, is there another team in the world? I don't know any other teams that play on Saturdays. And she said, well, I'm best friends with Frank Martin's wife, Anya. We got tickets to the game. Do you want to go? And so we went. Well, a couple days later, she called back. and She said, Pastor, I, I'm not going to be able to go. I don't have the box seats tickets. But I got some free tickets to the women's basketball game with Coach Don Staley. I've got some tickets, and I got four tickets. If you want them, I'm not going to be able to go. They're not the box seats. They're regular seats, but, but they're, they're free if you want them. Well, nobody else would go, so I convinced my mom and dad to go with me. My dad cares less about sports. He don't know what they're doing. He, he knows a concept. The ball is supposed to go through the hoop. He asked at the end of the game who fouled who and who won. He don't, he don't pay attention. My dad says he goes to sporting events to eat. He goes to concession stands. We are broke when we leave. He goes to concession stands. He buys everything at the concession stand. 14 different diet Dr. Peppers and diet Pepsis and honey buns and peanuts and funnel cakes and all this stuff. And then tells my mom, we're not checking my sugar tonight. We'll check it tomorrow. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's his version of sporting events. We go. I drive. I pull in the, the, the parking garage area where the, the parking pass was for inside, game starts. And we got there about an hour before tip-off because we were standing around just hanging out, eating food, whatever. The game tips off. Well, my dad, he got snacky. We still got two minutes before the game even starts and he's already hungry. He's like, hey, the game's about to start. Got up snack and a drink. Like, Dad, we just ate like 30 minutes before we got to the event. So he stands up, Brother Chris, and puts his hand in the back pocket. To his horror, there's nothing there. We had just went and ate at a restaurant all the way back in Orangeburg 30 minutes prior. He paid with the card. We called the restaurant and said, No one's turned in a wallet. Some of you already know how you are, your heart's already singing. You've been here. He says, I don't know what to do with my card. You know what we did? Y'all think we had the dumbest family in the world. We grabbed hands in the basketball arena of Colonial Life Arena. We prayed, God, let this wallet turn up. Like God's going to mysteriously let it fall into the hands of somebody in South Carolina and walk up and be like, got a wallet here for C3, section 403. That's all we need to do. He's frantic. He's sitting to about half time and he's like, oh, I'm sick. And he's sick. He don't even want to eat. My dad not to want a snack and a drink. He's sick. He don't want nothing now. I had money. I was like, yeah, just do it. I don't want nothing. I feel sick. So at halftime, I said, why don't you just take my keys? Maybe it fell under the seat of my car. He went to the car. He couldn't find it. He walks back in. It's not there. He said, I'm off to cancel my cards. I do all this. He was walking through the process. So we game's over. We leave. We get in the car. And Brother Chris, I dropped my key. I was written to unlock the car, and I dropped my keys. And I don't know how this happened. But I bent down, sisters. Susie to get my keys and for some reason they fell right here out of the door you know just fell on my hand and I bent down when I bent down right under the driver's side tire where my car was sitting right behind the tire there was a wallet Brother Dustin I reached my hand around there and I thought 
Dad, you may not have a wallet, but we got somebody's wallet that we can go eat now. And I reach around, I grab underneath that tire, and I pull it up and flip open the lid and say, L. Keith Vaughn, 1633 Spring Valley Service. I don't, I, my dad didn't drive, y'all. So I don't know how I got from the backseat passenger side of the car opening that door and navigated its way to the driver of the driver's side front tire behind the wheel. The money was in there. Nothing was missing. The cards were still in there. In fact, he had just taken $100 cash out just in case we needed it in the game. And it was still in the wallet. think that's pretty impressive. Of course, he's all excited. He's ready to go buy Krispy Kreme donuts for everybody in Columbia at this point. He's At this point, he hadn't had a snack. He's like, the hot sun's on. Let's buy 12 dozen. My my mom's like, no, but we did go to Krispy Kreme to celebrate. We like to celebrate for anything. Your ingrown toenail falls off. We celebrate it because that's a big deal. We're excited for you. We celebrate everything. I'm going to finish with this. Talk about fervency and passion and that rejuvenation of excitement. Two and a half years, two years ago, Rand and I were scheduled to go with her family to South Dakota. We had been, she didn't know that I already had been working with her dad, mom for engagement and all that kind of stuff to do it in South Dakota, somewhere unique that you can't replicate very often. So about three or four days before we're supposed to, we were on a Saturday night, we were supposed to leave out on Thursday afternoon, that the week coming. We went out to Rovers Avenue, and we ate at Boxcar Betty's by the old Farmore, and where Moe's is right there off of Rivers, in that section right there by the mall. We just want to try something different, so we went to Boxcar Betty's. We drove back, but she had to go to Target. When we got to Target, I reached for my wallet. I'm telling the truth. It was gone. My heart sank like my dad's. I was ready to throw up chicken. I love chicken. I never eat chicken again a day in my life. Cursed bird. Going back to beef. Couldn't find it. We walked in Target's parking lot. We went back. We drove all the way back to Rivers to Boxcar Betty's. Of course, they're closed. Look around. All the spots not there. We looked, peeked through the windows, and I'm like, well, here's what you don't understand. See, in order to be able to travel, we, Brian and I, were flying back home. I wasn't so much worried about my cards. I could cancel them. But in order to fly, you had to have, at that time, a real ID, driver's license. And I just got it so that we could fly home. But I didn't have enough time because I was going to be out of town for work up until Wednesday night. There was no way for me to get the DMV. I wouldn't have a, a license. A real ID. I couldn't fly home. I couldn't get back. Now, y'all don't judge me. I started crying. I was a basket case. Brianna, sympathetic self, thought it was kind of funny uh, that I was crying. But I started tearing up. I was crying. She's like, it's going to be fine. I was like, I can't come home. I can't do anything. She's going to be fine. We drove everywhere. Probably a good hour, hour and a half. I was so sick. I was like, this date is over. You're going home. Don't call me till tomorrow. I'm going home. God saw the attention. We put up pulling up into her mom and dad's driveway for me to drop her off. My phone goes off. And I and it was a notification of a voicemail. But my phone never rang this long. The whole time we've been out, my phone never rang. And I was like, it was weird. 
But I didn't recognize the number either. I'll check it later, Brad. Well, you better check it. And it was this message. I'm just going to say, I'm not going to say the guy's name. Say, hey, this is Joe, so and so. You give me a chance, will you call me? And he had my name. He knew my name. I'm like, you creeper. I don't know you. Brad, well, you better call him back. He obviously knows you. I'll call him tomorrow. She's like, just call him. Dial the number I called. He says, hello. I said, yeah, Joe, this is Jonathan Vaughn. He said, um, hey, Jonathan, how are you? I said, I'm good. He said, how are you feeling tonight? I said, not good. You want to know the truth? He said, oh, yeah. I said, yeah. I said, I'm a pastor. I said, I've got to go out for town for a conference. I said, I'm supposed to be out of town on Thursday to head to South Dakota. I said, I've lost my wallet, and I ain't got time to get to it. He said, well, Pastor, I, I don't know what, he said, what church? I told him, he said, well, Pastor, I'm not church God. I'm not Pentecostal. I'm Baptist. He said, so don't hold it against me. I said, I won't. I said, I was friends with Baptist folks before I was Church of God. I said, I went to the Baptist college. They give more money than Church of God people. I've always liked Baptist people over Church of God people. They paid more for me to get an education. He laughed. He said, where's your location? I said, well, actually, I'm in Knightsville, Somerville. He said, really? I live in Pine Forest. She's like, what, 10 minutes, Brandon, maybe from your house? I didn't know it was that far. He said, my daughter and I were at Target earlier tonight. We were walking in. We just happened to park. She got out of the car, laying by her door. There was a wallet by her door. When we opened it up, we found this business card of a pastor. His cell phone number inside of it. And he said, not that we would take it anyway, he said, but like God let me park in that parking spot because he knew you needed this none of the money obviously has been taken I don't know I, I just found your business card that's the only reason I went through your wallet he said but I have your wallet if you want to come get it boy I I, put, I, I think I ripped the tranny out of the car I shoved that thing up I squalled the tires out the back of the thing thinking God don't let it be like those Baptists once saved always saved and change his mind let me get my wallet I go pick up my wallet and the joy you know, like the pit of my stomach that was sick, Sister Barnes when I finally held it in my hand, I got back in the car ran to take it, I started crying again she's like, what's wrong with you now? I said, I'm not upset but I'm happy, look at what God did I couldn't have done this I didn't know where it was at, it was lost, I couldn't find it but look, look at what God and I said that day, she, she remembers, I sat in the car and said, I can only imagine what heaven is like someone gets saved because this is how it feels when I find something I've lost. God only knows what does God think when someone gets saved. I said it that night in the car. I want everybody this morning before we leave this place to hear me today. We have got to be passionate about finding lost people again and letting them come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because heaven rejoices when somebody knows Jesus Christ. We've got to be fervent. We've got to be passionate. we got to pursue it. we got to fervently seek for that. Have that fervency again. So here's my challenge to you before we pray. I want you to find one person this week and invite them to church. They may tell you no. They might. That's okay. Keep trying. Maybe you find a different person. If you want to invite more than one, go for it. Invite everybody. Invite the whole community. I don't care what you, who you invite. But I want you to find one person this week to just say, hey, you go to church with me this Sunday? Especially if they, and I'd prefer, you hear this pastor carefully, I'd prefer that they don't go to another church because I don't want their pastor to come witch hunt me now. Don't take them from their church. But I want you to find one person this week and say, hey, next Sunday, you go with me.
pastor was slightly psychotic, slightly, but just overlooked that. He really means well. Will you just go to church with me next Sunday? Because next week we're going to talk about the letter I. That letter I means invocation. What it means to pray the prayer of faith and know God hears when we pray. You invite somebody this week. Would you stand all over this house with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Before I dismiss this service today, I want to ask, is anybody this morning simply simply just say with an uplifted hand, Pastor I'd like for you to just pray for me today before we leave this place you just pray for me, if anybody they just want to be want to be prayed for let me just pray, because we're about to pray maybe you have a need and you just want God to hear anybody today yes, thank you, anybody God bless you, yes, God bless you here's what I'd like to do today if you're standing by somebody with in your pew, I just want you to grab hands as a point of contact. You don't have to move out of your seat, but if you're standing by somebody or someone close by, you can grab their hand. Maybe somebody's right beside you or right behind you. If you want to join their hand, you can. You don't have to move. Just close by, grab their hand. And can we pray the prayer of faith together? Not just for salvation, but can we just pray for each other today? Father, thank you for your presence and your spirit. Thank you for the God that supplies all our needs according to the riches in Christ Jesus our Lord. God, as we get ready to leave this place and go to and fro our destination, will you speak to our hearts, to our lives? Father, I pray today that you would let your name, the name of Jesus, God, be lifted up and draw all men unto yourself. Father, I thank you today that we have the ability and the power Holy Spirit to talk about you to everyone we meet. God, I pray this week you would let us meet people in our pathways and invite them to church. Let us find one person, invite them to church next week that they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, even if it's just one person gets saved, it would be worth every effort we put into it if just one came to know Jesus. God, as you take these people today, will you Bless them and keep them. And your face shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Lift up your countenance towards them and give them the peace of God. Surpasses all human understanding and guard our hearts until you come again. And Father, let the words of our mouths, meditations of our heart, be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our strength and blessed Redeemer. In Christ's name we pray. And as you remain with your head bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask those that are going to lead our benedictory prayer to pray. Immediately following, you can be dismissed. God bless you. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your only name for this opportunity.